This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 37 of Jurassic Park. Brady, how are you doing today? Doing good. How about you? I'm doing pretty fantastic, man. Uh, actually, I just, uh, before I came over here to do this recording, I was watching Gremlins with my wife. Yeah? Yeah. The original. The original one, yeah. And I have to say, Gremlins 2 is a movie that I could talk uh, ad nauseum about. Oh, I love Gremlins We could have an hour and a half long Patreon on how that movie was ahead of its time by a matter of maybe 30 years. I don't even know if it's 30 years old at this point. But yeah, so uh, Gremlins is really funny. Have yeah. you seen it in a while? I, not in a while. Not in a long while. I should, though, because it's a Christmas movie. It's, it seems yeah. like fitting to watch right now. Yeah, so. as we're recording this, we're just about two weeks away from Christmas, and we decided we're going to start watching some Christmas movies, and we ran through you know, Christmas Vacation and uh, a few other things. So my wife was like, let's watch something a little bit offbeat that's a Christmas movie. And Goonies, is, I mean, Gremlins is a heck of a Christmas movie. It's just Christmas is everywhere. Snow everywhere, Christmas music. It's a lot of fun. So, uh, awesome. But I think it's really funny because you guys are doing Goonies Minute right now. Are, are your uh, Goonies Minute starts on Monday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we've been prepping for it and uh, getting everything going, and uh, it's it's going to be awesome. Going to be a lot of fun. There's so much going on, and yeah. we've got frame for frame, and uh, just so many so many ideas to it that I had never really noticed before. Um, and I really, really, really want to spoil some of them, but I can't. <laughs> I can't. You got to come back. Uh, come back and see us on Monday. Well, we're looking forward to listening to that. I want to be a guest on the show at some point because I want to talk uh, in at, at length about the genius performance uh, of Chunk in that movie. Oh God! The yeah. kid was just so ahead of his time as far as his comedic uh, knowledge goes, and I really wish he had done more. Uh, acting, but I think he went on to become a lawyer. He's, He's like an, a really successful attorney now, or yeah, something. Yeah, uh, entertainment lawyer. Yeah, so uh, of course, he, you know, that's probably more money than and probably more stable life than being a child actor. So I understand why he did yeah. that. But yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. He's so funny in that movie. I've been watching it uh, to help you guys with some production aspect of it, and I just I, Chunk is so hilarious. Yeah, it. yeah, he's, he's awesome. But that's another movie. Right now, we're talking about Jurassic Park, and if you're ready, we can go ahead and get on to minute number thirty-seven. Let's do it. Let's do it. In the previous minute, Ian Malcolm let John Hammond know how he truly felt about what was going on in Jurassic Park. Malcolm told Hammond that he was staggered by what he had seen on the island and called it a lack of humility toward nature. At minute number 37, Hammond asks, How can we stand in the line of discovery and not act? Malcolm counters with, What's so great about discovery? Malcolm says that discovery is a penetrative act that scars and exploits. Malcolm says that what Hammond calls discovery, he calls the rape of the natural world. At 37.18, Ellie interjects that they do not know anything about an extinct ecosystem. Ellie says that they cannot control something that they do not understand. She tells Hammond that they have poisonous plants in the building simply because they look pretty. Ellie wraps up by saying that dinosaurs will react instinctively, violently, if necessary. At 37.40, after a few seconds of contemplative silence, John Hammond points at Dr. Grant and says that if there's any one person that would defend him, it's going to be Grant. At 37.47, after taking a few seconds to carefully pick his words, Dr. Grant says that the world has just changed so radically and that everyone is just running to catch up. Grant goes on to say that dinosaurs and man, two species separated by 65 million years of evolution, have just been thrown into the mix together. And thus ends minute number 37 of Jurassic Park. So again, in this minute, we're still kind of wrapping up the ethical, moral quandaries of what's going on here on the island. Got to get all that stuff away before we jump into the action. But there's That's a right. lot to chew on in this in these scenes. You know, of course, on Monday, Tuesday of this week, we did talk about 
the things that Malcolm brought up. And Malcolm does kind of spill over into this minute talking about the lack of humility before nature that he sees here, that, you know, he's seeing some stuff that's very disturbing to him. Uh, I would have my face stuffed with sea bass. I wouldn't be able to talk about all this stuff at the moment. But, you know, Hammond really kind of... Uh, uh, lights back into him with some of his own defense in this moment. Yesterday we saw him talking about the Condors and how Malcolm wouldn't have a problem with it. Today he starts the whole minute off by talking about how can we stand on the breach of discovery and not act, which is definitely something that uh, scientists who work with the military have to struggle with a lot because let's say you're the guy out there developing the nuclear bomb. Okay. I say that wrong all the time. Is it nuclear? Nuclear? However it is, I say it the wrong way. So when I say it, I apologize. Just accept that I'm saying it the other way. You're with a bunch of other scientists working on it. And you can either say, this is something that would destroy the world. We shouldn't do it. Or you say, we have to do this because if we don't, the other guy's going to do it. You know? So it's one of those things where Hammond probably, you know, they developed this technology and they have the option of either moving forward with it or letting Biosyn move forward with it. Somebody else. You have to say to yourself, am I the right person to be doing this? And now that I have, genies don't go back in bottles, right? You can't unring this bell. Yeah. So you start developing dinosaur cloning and bringing dinosaurs back to life. You really can't stop yourself from going down that track. Mm. Um, so I can only assume that Hammond might have thought at some point, like, okay, th- there's, this can either be used for some kind of entertainment and uh, education, or it can be used for horrible things like militarizing uh-huh. it. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, that could have been part of his, of his uh, thought process for sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, that would have been a great angle for him to use in this argument, but he didn't. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Malcolm does kind of counter with, well, what you're calling discovery here, I call the rape of the natural world, and you know, it's not something you usually think about. When you think about discovery, you think about exploration and, you know, finding, you know, new cures for, uh, you know, uh, ailments and things like that. You don't think of discovery in this kind of way, you know, that Malcolm knows with chaos theory, this is all coming from a place of him, you know, being a chaotician, that this is probably going to go wrong. He can see 15 steps ahead where this could really get off at, uh, right. on, a, on a bad foot. Got so. this, you know, Murphy's Law um, way of thinking. Right. But yeah. uh, whenever he does give the line, the rape of the natural world, the shot of him is really cool. It's so deliberate. Yeah. And it's unlike any of the um, the angles that we've seen on him so far in this. And he's, he's even his demeanor changes. It's a bold, emotionless statement that yeah. he says with such clarity that he's like, I know what I'm talking about here. This is not good. And he yeah. says it to John Hammond, like, I'm not scared of you. You know, this is, this is what you're doing and it's wrong. Yeah. Uh, which is really weird that they end up, you know, still talking to each other and not, you know, it's not awkward from that point on. But, you know, and Ellie does kind of interject there. Uh, it almost seems like she kind of butts in to, to stop things from getting too serious, you know. But she raises a very good point about the ecosystem. In fact, her point is probably more prescient than anybody else's, that yeah. these dinosaurs, they have instincts, they're going to act in a certain manner. And if they are all of a sudden introduced into a world that is, uh, you know, not what they were bred or, you know, their minds were adapted to way back 65 million years ago, that it's going to, it's not like somebody's being wake, woken out of car, uh, cryogenic sleep, right? This isn't somebody that was in another world, they're woken up and they have to adapt to something. It's like they're, yeah. they're bred for a world where man did not exist, you know? So how are they going to react yeah. to that? There is a reason yeah. that they're not here, that they are not in the mix together. Yeah. Um, the, the book kind of goes into uh, her angle on this a little bit better um, in the sense that like if a plant senses that there's another plant in, on its turf, uh, it's going to do things to, to, you know, it's a defense mechanism to like release certain toxins to spread sure. through the roots, through the soil over to the other plant and kill it. So, um, this, this is the kind of thing that they're just, you know, engine is, uh, overlooking. Yeah. Um, now, okay. Cloning dinosaurs. I can get it. They explain the whole thing to me. Uh, it, you know, I, I get it, but how are they, I guess, cloning, uh, extinct, you know, plant life and everything. If, if cloning is the right term there. 
Um, so that was always a question that I had, and that was sort of like all tied up in the, uh, I think we've actually gone into this. Um, that was all sort of cleared up in the Jurassic World marketing, where they talked about Dr. Wu had created something called the Wu Flower. And it was like some just, you know, big, uh, I don't know, discovery that he had made that caught their attention. And eh, you could kind of tie this into like that to sort of answer that question for anybody who might have uh, been unclear on it. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, the, the flora of the whole thing is something you have to be very careful with because do you know what kudzu is? Uh, no, what's that? It's like this vine, right? And it grows like crazy. So I want to say that it came maybe from like Mongolia or something like that. But somebody brought some of that stuff back over in like the seventies. And I think it got loose in like, you know where Gatlinburg is where they had yeah. the fires, the horrible fires this last weekend, somewhere around that area in Tennessee, kudzu went crazy at one point. Somebody planted it in their garden and there was nothing to stop this stuff from growing. And it just took over mountainsides. So we used to have a beautiful mountainside with all these trees. All of a sudden it was covered with this like vine and it looked like this dense brush uh, of forest yeah. it's, it's really really dense thick stuff and it's kind of like a vampire vine it'll choke stuff yeah, out it'll just go right up the side of a building mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah 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 that's it yeah you mentioned miniseries that came on tv a few years ago i think it was like discovery channel or history channel or something that was like oh, life uh, after humans yeah, i think yeah Earth uh-huh. after humans, some, one of those um and they talk about the kind of i believe it's the same thing you're talking about how it's going to have the final say it's going to grow up on top of everything yeah it down and crush it and that's just, I don't know, it's so interesting. When you're outside, next time you're outside, think about that. There's everything around you is much more alive than you. I read something, I don't know if it was in the BBC or the Independent uh, or something like, or maybe it's The Guardian, that your chances to die in a car accident are now less than your chances to die in an extinction level event. Sure. So in the next hundred years, the scientists were saying, like, we're going to see, like, continent-sized superstorms and things like that. So that's a little bit depressing to think about, but, you know, there's still time to hopefully turn that, that ship around. But the reason I'm saying that is... Uh, when we go, when humans go, and we can't adapt to the cold weather, plants will be able to adapt. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see what life looks like after humans, like a hundred years later. It's just, yeah. it, it will be, everything will be destroyed. It'll be nothing but like plants growing everywhere again. They're yeah, going to take everything back over. Crazy to think that human civilization could be taken out in uh, the next hundred years or the next four years for them. Yeah, I really uh, don't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a betting man. I'm not exactly going to put it all on humanity surviving. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, so uh, in this minute now, Dr. Grant is also asked there something at the very end. Uh, John Hammond speaks up saying, if anybody's going to defend me here, it's you. And Grant really has the most political answer of everything. He does. He, he really tries to skirt around to like, you know, kind of bring everybody back together. Not to cut you off. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, he, he does kind of just try to say the thing that's the least. He's not making a point here. This could be great. Children could learn about dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, people, we could study these things and understand so much more about them by actually seeing them. But he's like, I'm being very cautious about this because we don't know what's going to happen. You yeah, know? It, it seems like he's sort of addressing, in Hammond's favor, he's sort of addressing Malcolm Bass and Ellie by saying, like, oh, like, everybody slow down. We don't know yet. We don't know. And Hammond still kind of strikes back, uh, lashes back at him. And it's like, dude, he was just kind of jumping into your defense a little bit. Right, yeah. So, And it's funny that um, that bit of dialogue that he says, uh, to quote it, is... Dinosaurs and man, two species separated by 65 million years of evolution, have suddenly been thrown back into the mix together. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? Colin Trevorrow has said that um, that piece of dialogue, that one statement, uh, sort of... The premise of Jurassic World 2 is based on that bit of dialogue. Yeah. And from everything we've heard about... uh, Jurassic World 2 and the fact that it's about, you know, animal abuse in the world as we know it today... I'm trying to connect those two and figure out what the hell this movie is going to be about. Jurassic World 2. So if I had to guess, and I, I do like my idea about uh, Alejandro trying to breed these <laughs> well, and yeah. start his chain of restaurants, it could it could still be about that. Uh, 
I think we're going to see them on a very large scale break out into cities and things like that and maybe take over a major city in the United States, which uh, I think could be pretty cool. You know, like I've said before, the thing I was more interested in is seeing the broken down rides with dinosaurs running around. Yeah. In them. I think maybe, you know, uh, if let's say, you know, for some reason, San Diego keeps coming back up in this series. Let's say they had to wall off San Diego and it becomes like the walking dead with dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. I think that could be pretty awesome. I like I love the series Turok the Dinosaur Hunter mm-hmm. you know Son of Stone I thought that was really cool to have like maybe people having to you know the civilizations destroyed and we're having to hunt dinosaurs with like bows and arrows and stuff like that I think that'd yeah. be pretty cool I mean the only way you could go with this is so okay the one guaranteed thing is that dinosaurs are going to be chasing people and eating them and if you're going to take it out of the theme park setting which is what they've said they're going to do, that is the only thing that can happen. Yeah. Is what you're talking about. That's the only thing that can happen. I might actually be more interested in a movie that is uh, more about the, uh, I don't know, repercussions of bringing these things out into, let's say, households, if you want to have like a pet copy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That, I would be more interested in a That's movie a good like idea. That, that, that didn't have... That didn't have all the action, all the chasing, all the eating, and everything like yeah. that. And the other thing that he has said is that it's going to be a smaller scale movie, or not necessarily as grand a scale as Jurassic World. That's and, probably a good thing. Yeah, and that the movie's going to have a big scene or whatever, big moment in the film, in the middle of the film, and the rest of it's going to feel more claustrophobic, just like Jurassic Park's layout, mm. which is, you know, you have your T-Rex attack in the middle, the rest of it just gets a little more personal, a little more small scale. Yeah. So I'm trying to take all of these little elements... And put them together and try and figure out what kind of movie this is going to be. I have no idea, and I could not be more excited. I wonder if they're going to breed raptors without claws, without teeth. You know, like if these things are so dangerous, why not just pull the danger out of them? Yeah. You know? And uh, then see what, yeah. what kind of shit you're screwing up from that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, it, yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah, yeah. But then the dinosaurs maybe will have to find a way to innovate as well. I don't know. Yeah. It could be very cool. I really hope that it is. Uh, I think that they've got a pretty good uh, place to start from. Though. Yeah, they so. really do. Well, you got anything else for this minute? Yes, I do. Okay, cool. All right. So um, Dean Cundy was the director of photography in Jurassic uh-huh. Park. Uh, and I, I really like the fact that Jurassic Park is a movie that wouldn't otherwise have some very unusual lighting choices that he uses. For example, and I know I've brought this up countless times, but there are uh, a lot of moments in Jurassic Park where there's a source of lighting that is coming directly into camera, yeah, directly into frame, which is what you don't want it to do all, most of the time, you know? Um, I oh. guess unless you're J.J. Abrams. I was about really to say, I wonder if that's where J.J. got his, yeah, uh, right. his lens flare idea Well, I'm from. not necessarily talking about lens flares, but um, one of the first things you see is the... Jurassic Park uh, security crew bringing in the Raptor, and there's um, like construction lights pointed directly into the camera. Uh, in this scene, some of the projector lights are coming uh, from the projectors to go up on the screens around the VIP lounge. And at one point, it's um, in this in this minute, it's passing right through Ellie's glasses. So she's got these big white glasses, and that's not something you would. That's the kind of thing you would see a director of photography running away from. Very cool, very cool. Are we ready to get out of here? Let's do it. All right, folks, thank you so much for your time. I'm Kyle. I'm ready. And until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media.